So you all had an opportunity to practice your listening skills because there was a different reading. You don't always get the epistle, but that's what I want to talk about tonight. So that's why you heard that. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a little nervous that I'm going to get the reputation at St. John's as the priest who avoids the gospel. Because I think this is at least my third sermon in a row where I have turned to a reading other than Luke for preaching. And and I really do like Luke, I promise. But I've simply been drawn to the good news in our other texts. And I see great good news in our epistle this morning, this evening. I've been here all day, as we all have, because we had the pet blessing at three for anyone who wasn't here. It's been a very long day. So in the morning services, we will be, where we do hear the epistle, we will be working our way through 2 Timothy for the entire month of October. And it's a letter that is attributed to the Apostle Paul. And that attribution, if you're a little bit of a scripture nerd, is contested by many scholars. But I don't want to get bogged down in authorship, whether it's the Apostle Paul or a student who knew him well. For the sake of clarity and ease, we're just going to go with Paul, okay? Okay. So this particular letter to Timothy is what is known as testament literature. And if you think about it, these things occur through Scripture and our own lives, right? At the time of death, when we feel like we need to impart wisdom, instructions, final thoughts for those we leave behind, particularly loved ones, and in Paul's case, his student. For us, we might call this our last will and testament. Jacob did it when he blessed his heirs on his deathbed. Moses did it throughout Deuteronomy. The wise Solomon gave practical political advice just before his death. But perhaps best known to us is what was called or is called Jesus' farewell discourse in the Gospel of John. We encounter this most every year, some part of it, in our lectionary, and it's when Jesus tells his disciples what to expect surrounding his death and what to do after he has left them. And if you recall, he promises them that they will not do it alone. He promises them an advocate, the Holy Spirit. And so it is with with Paul's letter to Timothy. And as he almost always does, Paul starts off his letter with gratitude. And there's so many aspects of this letter that I find really fascinating and really encouraging. Some of you may have been in Denver long enough to be familiar with the name Vincent Harding. He was a social activist, a scholar, and an author and a professor for over 20 years at ILIF. He famously used as an icebreaker with his students on his first day of class, tell me about your mama's mama. 
We used this as an icebreaker at a vestry retreat several years ago, and it required a complete shuffle of our agenda because folks engaged so enthusiastically with this prompt, with this invitation. We heard wonderful stories of grandmothers, a surprising number of whom were redheads. <laughs> Just a little sidebar there and about the influence they had on their families and the precious, precious memories for their grandchildren. Now, I don't know if I was the only one who was being honest or if I'm just unlucky enough to have had the only mama's mama who was actually mean as a snake. <laughs> Truly, Maria feels me but bless her hard heart. <laughs> and as an aside, my mother also didn't know that people ate meat in its solid form until she went to college because my Nana put every piece of meat that came into the house through this uh, cast iron meat grinder that was permanently affixed to her kitchen counter. But I digress. <laughs> I don't actually think that's why she was mean, but you know, who knows? Tell me about your mama's mama. What would Timothy say about his mama's mama, about Lois? We know that Lois was a woman of faith who raised a woman of faith, Eunice, who raised a man of faith, Timothy. This is a strong family lineage. It is not so in all of our families. Can I get an amen? amen? This passing down of faith from generation to generation. Lois must have been someone who lived her faith through all the ups and downs of life. And there are always ups and downs. And Lois must have been a woman who modeled that through it all, God was present. Tell me about your mama's mama. I'm also intrigued by Paul's specific naming of these women. Lindsay Harden Freeman is an Episcopal priest in Minnesota, and she undertook with three volunteers a project for a book. They documented every word in the Bible spoken by women. And all together, if you read them start to finish, it would take you under an hour to read every, woman's, every word spoken by a woman in the Bible. They documented these words and the fact that there are only 93 women in the entire Bible, including the Apocrypha, who are mentioned. And of those 93, only 49 are named. To be named is not inconsequential. Lois and Eunice are important figures in the lineage of Timothy's faith. Clearly, they are important to Paul. And I would imagine by their mention, that they influenced many others in their community as well. 
And you may not have noticed, but in the beginning of that letter, Paul refers to Timothy as his beloved child, acknowledging that sometimes our family is not just defined by shared DNA, but rather shaped by shared faith and love and trust and companionship. Adoption was an alien concept in ancient Israel, but it was just one of the many ways that Jesus turned the notion of family on its head. He told some followers to leave their biological families and follow Him. He told others to join the family of believers, both biological and not. And even from the cross, Jesus united Mary and the beloved disciple as mother and son. This notion of adoption was so important to Paul, and it appears again and again in his letters to the fledgling Christian communities around the Mediterranean, encouraging them that they, too, were children of God through adoption. And fortunately, while my mama's mama was difficult, my mama wasn't. And I feel blessed that beyond my own mother, I can name countless other older women in my life who have adopted me, who have modeled deep faith and wisdom, and who have shaped me by their love. Paul lifts up both ways of being family in these few verses. And like Jesus' promise of the advocate in John, Paul reminds his beloved student Timothy that while spreading the gospel message will be difficult at times, and that he may have to suffer for it just as Paul himself has suffered. He will never be doing it alone. He will always have the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. My friends, you know, you know that this life of faith is not lived in a vacuum. Paul is almost always writing to an entire community, to families with biological connections and communal ties. He is almost always pointing to the way we can live together better with the help of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, and the modeling done by Jesus. Paul understands deeply the need for community and a family of faith. The world can simply be too much for us to take on alone. So whether in times of joy or in times of suffering, we need each other. Whether coming from loving families or coming from families we are just grateful to have survived, we need each other. Whether we learned our faith at the knee of our mama's mama or we are awakening to God for the very first time here and now, we need each other. 
Paul needed the support of community and the hospitality of strangers as he journeyed to spread the gospel of Christ. Paul needed the meals and the care brought to him by his followers when he was imprisoned. Paul needed the companionship of Timothy as he traveled, and he needed, as we're learning in this letter, to pass on his wisdom to his student. We too need companions on the way. We need our family of origin and or our family of choice. We need our community. And for many of us, it is this place, St. John's, where we come again and again to learn, for fellowship, to worship, where our faith is tested and practiced and sustained. Paul is grateful to God when he remembers Timothy constantly in his prayers, night and day. I wonder, for whom are you grateful? Is it the Lois and the Eunice in your life? Or maybe the one who adopted you, the Paul? Or maybe it's your entire community. I know that I am grateful for each of you. Amen.